0: Hello, and welcome to the Weekwell Unfiltered Podcast, proudly supported by the Wall Street Journal Barons. My name is Katie Litchfield, and three years ago, I left my job of 18 years because i had had enough of standing by and watching women getting passed up for corporate executive committee roles. Now Weekwell is on a mission to build a better business world. course of this series, I will be talking to CEOs of some of the world's largest organizations, asking them the questions they don't normally get asked about gender diversity. In the last episode, I spoke to Steve Cahillane, the CEO of Kellogg's, who spoke candidly about his career and the women that had inspired him, including his mother. She did many things. And when my father passed away at an early age of 53, uh, she became an expat. <laughs> she went to Jakarta, she went to Europe, uh, and she can, continued this executive career. And And I found it quite stunning, uh, but very, very inspirational. And so I learned the value of education, hard work, and just the the nature of what is possible from watching my own mother. If you haven't already, you can listen to our interview with Steve wherever you listen to podcasts. But not before you hear the inner thoughts of the CEO of Rolls-Royce, Warren East, in this episode of Weekwell Unfiltered. I had no
1: idea that I would ever be uh, running a company where we had money running out of the door quite as fast as it was running out of the doors. I had people writing to me where they were gonna lose their homes. And as the leader, you have to do what's right for the business. Remember, there's a huge amount of luck involved, and this is whether you're a man, a woman. People say, you know, how did I get to do what I do? And I say, it's mostly luck.
0: An Oxford graduate in engineering science, Warren became chief executive of Rolls-Royce in 2015. His time in charge has coincided with one of the most challenging periods in the firm's history. His career to date includes senior leadership roles at both Texas Instruments and Arm. He is also rather impressively a fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, a fellow of the Royal Society, and a companion of the Chartered Management Institute, and last but not least was made a CBE in 2014 for services to the technology industry. Warren, welcome to Weekwell Unfiltered. So first of all, tell me, how has your year been?
1: Well, it's been uh, one of the most interesting and different years uh, that I've had since, since I've been working. I had no idea that I would ever be running a company where we had money running out of the door quite as fast as it was running out of the door. So last summer was um, very scary indeed. But uh, we managed to get everything under control. And now we're, we're sort of moving through what I hope will be the closing months of the sort of COVID disruption and uh, looking forward to the future that was always going to be.
0: It has been a tough year for Rolls-Royce. How have you dealt with it personally? And what has been your biggest challenge as CEO?
1: I think the biggest challenge is dealing has been dealing with that scary bit. Commercial aviation part of our business is is the bit that's been most affected by COVID. You know, everybody in the world stopped traveling basically, and that's half of our business. There's an expensive running cost of uh, of that business, and you know we had to get that under control, and we had to face the reality of um, making about a third of our workforce in uh, in that part of our business, Redundant, which was massive. It's uh, the biggest sort of job losses we've dealt with in, uh, in Rolls-Royce's recent history. That was horrible. And uh, I had never done anything on that scale uh, before. Um, and we didn't have long to work on it and think about it. Um, and so uh, we just had to get on with it. And that was very difficult, and and the sort of dealing with the, the real people, because you know I can talk with investors and um, other stakeholders like that, and talk. Well, yes, it's very important that we you know get our costs down, and yes, of course we need to reduce our, our headcount um, by by a lot. But actually, they're all people, you know. So I had emails on you know, midnight on Friday night from partners of uh, of people who perhaps worked for us for 30 or more years who uh who are going to be leaving the the company as part of this you know in in many cases we we were fine it was with voluntary redundancy and and people were embracing it as an opportunity to change their lives but you know in in a substantial number of other cases these are people who would not have chosen to leave their jobs i had uh people writing to me where they were going to lose their homes and, and that sort of thing. And um, you know, as the leader, you uh, you have to do what's right for the business, what's right for the remaining 45,000 employees for whom you know we will continue to provide livelihoods. But it's still, you know, you can't get away from the human side of it.
0: That's it, isn't it? Finding that balance between people and keeping the business afloat talking about people, if you were to look back, not just over your career, but have there been any women that have inspired you?
1: Oh, goodness me, women who've inspired me. Well, um, I suppose I I just sort of think about uh, the people who've inspired me and not really whether they're women or men. But uh, I mean, when I was at a fairly formative stage, I suppose, sort of um, late teens, early 20s, uh, then, you know, that was the period of Margaret Thatcher. Love her or loathe her, and she is a bit of a Marmite character. And, you know, I look at her now and think, gosh, she did some fairly... sort of, uh, you know, I wouldn't have tackled it quite that way. Um, but uh, actually, you know, she did, she did a lot of good, and she was a very brave lady in a male-dominated world at the time she was very good at her job. Uh, And um, yeah, I think she's quite an inspirational female figure.
0: What makes a great leader, Warren?
1: Goodness, that's a very open question. Um, And I don't think there is a right answer. Uh, Same really with, with leaders. So I don't think we're all born to be leaders. But I think people who have the potential to be leaders can can help themselves develop some of that potential. And, you know, what is it? It's about helping people achieve something together that can't be achieved on their own. I mean, humans are are a sort of social species. We thrive because we collaborate. That's how that's how humans have come to sort of rise to the the top of the food chain I mean out in the jungle they get eaten by all sorts of uh, all, all sorts of creatures but by collaborating and working together um, we've we've turned into um, the species that we are and um, a, and made a success of it so naturally humans want to collaborate and they want to be organized and do something constructive together and leaderships about harnessing those sort of natural instincts then you have different characters and so i think it's important for for leaders to to empathize with the the individuals to get the best out of uh, those those individuals and as you lead larger and larger uh, groups um you know there's no way that i have um direct contact with all sort of 45,000 of our employees but any one of them can have direct contact with me if they want to and I'm very prepared to listen and and spend time with them so I think you need to you need to be practical about how far you can reach on an individual basis but try and reach as many individually uh, as possible
0: on a slightly different note, throughout your leadership and for a number of years, you have shown yourself to be a great advocate for women. How is Rolls-Royce getting women into those senior leadership positions?
1: There's no uh, no rocket science or or right answer for this one either. I mean, we're in a sector where supply of female talent coming in from the education system is, is frankly pretty poor. Uh, and um, it's not moved much over the last several decades as, as long as I've been doing this. I think we can and we should continue to work on that supply, and companies like Rolls-Royce, we do. Then when you do get women into a male-dominated environment, you have to try and keep them there, and uh, that means making people feel comfortable. You know we have all sorts of different types and diversity is a good thing and uh, so some of it gender is a proxy for for one way of diversity um ethnic background is another another proxy we do in our business pay attention to making groups of people who are connected in in a way like that to to making them feel comfortable and i think that that bit, which is the often the inclusion bit, is uh, is more important than than getting people in in the first place, and and then you can eventually you, uh, you you achieve a tipping point. Now we've been on a journey for the last several years. I I came to Rolls Royce, and it really was very hard over on a on a sort of male dominated environment. In the top hundred and thirty odd managers in Rolls Royce. You could, you could easily spot the women when we had a conference, because there were about three of them. Uh, and, um, and so they stood out like a sore thumb. But actually now um, we're closing in on a third of uh, that population. You know, The journey between a third and a half is going to be much easier than the journey from not very many at all uh, to about a third. So I can actually feel that tipping point coming towards us in, in groups like that. And so I, I don't think there's one answer. You have to work at different levels within the organisation, work on the supply and then make those different levels uh, feel comfortable as, uh, as they go.
0: Of course, there are many things that we can do to achieve gender equality and to get women to that C-suite level. But if you had to advocate one thing that could be a game changer when it comes to persuading the CEOs to back female talent. What would it be?
1: I thought about this and I thought, I don't actually know that many CEOs who, I mean, I can't think of any CEOs who would not back female management for the C-suite. So I think that's, that's a hurdle which has been overcome. And I think we ought to concentrate attention elsewhere. Persuading the CEOs is, is, is not the problem right now. It's probably more persuading the, the women who are nearly there uh, to keep going.
0: And what steps would your leadership team at Rolls-Royce need to take to increase the number of women in your C-suite and the boardroom?
1: Exactly, exactly the same thing that uh, I, I've been talking about. It's preparing that supply chain as uh, as they come through, getting getting more and more senior people. So, in this group that I was describing, our sort of top top managers, these are effectively the direct reports of our C suite, and um, you know, over the last five years. Uh, We've gone from really really not very many to about a third of that group and That is through promotion and recruitment and it's through paying a little bit of attention to it Now it is really difficult. So we've just done a search for a new finance director and We've appointed a male don't think we didn't try to appoint a woman (laughs) of course we did (laughs) <laughs> because uh, it, it would be it would be fantastic uh, to to be able to sort of pr- promote that. We ha- and we ha- and we started off with a a sort of short long list that had about a little bit more than a third of uh, of females on that list. We didn't quite get to half. We were about um, six out of fourteen. There was only one that actually wanted in the end. To do the job, and actually, we we then didn't didn't appoint her because you you have to get the job done. You can't um, you can't change change the position of the bar the the hiring bar. And in fact, most of the female directors that I know, and and the senior women in in our ranks as well, you know, the last thing they want is to be put into a job where everybody looks at them and says, well you're only doing that because you're a woman that that that's what we do so we we try hard on the recruitment but we really prepare that pipeline and I'm confident given the trajectory that we're on that uh, we will get to a third or so of our executive team maybe in the not maybe not in the next, generation of our executive team, but certainly the one after that. I'm not sure whether my successor will be a female or not, but um, that's absolutely a possibility.
0: Okay, so you've taken all those steps to increase the number of women, but then something like COVID-19 comes along, skews the figures. The pandemic has been far worse for women losing and leaving their jobs than men. How do we go about reversing this?
1: Uh, Well, fortunately, I... I'm not sure that we're going to have to deal with that again. This pandemic, uh, drastic though it is, and you know there are terrible things still happening around the world. Uh, I mean, as far as the pandemic is concerned, you know, frankly, there are a lot worse things happening than than women lo- leaving their jobs. Um, you know, one of our employees in India yesterday, I was learning, has lost eight relatives in the last couple of weeks. So we have to get the pandemic in proportion it's a once in a hundred year type event fortunately by the time the next one comes i don't think we'll be talking about gender in uh, in employment and leadership and that sort of thing because i think we will just be people and and actually rolls royce we were quite lucky in that uh, yeah we did see we did see a few more women that would normally leave um but we didn't have a a big statistical sort of gender push on it and so I don't think we need to do anything special for pandemics I think we need to concentrate on the inclusion that I talked about a little while ago and just making every workplace feel as comfortable for women as it is for men.
0: You touched on inclusion there which is a vital part of what we all need to do what is Rolls-Royce doing to ensure an inclusive culture for the future not just gender but inclusive for all?
1: I think we promote we promote our values and their their human values they're not gender biased or anything like that uh, but we try to make people aware that men particularly of what it feels like to be a woman so I gave and, and actually what it feels like to in in, in anything it just does it doesn't have to be gender. I gave a talk the other day pointed out that in, a, in a everybody's experience, I bet everybody I was speaking to would have an experience where they had felt excluded in some way. And just think about what it felt like to be different and what it felt like to be I- excluded. And sometimes I uh, I will s- sit in a room f- with and an on, on the gender thing, for instance, there'll be 20 women in the room and they're having a Q&A with, with me because I'm the CEO. Not because I'm a man, but because I'm the CEO. But I am a man and I'm one in a room of 21. And, yeah, it feels like, oh, this is a bit different. This isn't very balanced. And then I have to remember, well, actually... In our last executive team meeting, that's what it felt like for the one woman who uh, who was there for a while. And so I think pushing the majority and making the majority feel, not just not just talk about it, but feel um, what it's like to not be in the majority heightens awareness and that awareness eventually changes behaviour.
0: We've spoken a lot about the women in your organisation, but men have a vital part to play in change, if nothing else, as they hold the majority. What role do you think men should be playing to speed up the gender equality?
1: Well, I think men should play an active role. I mean, it's a bit of push and pull. I think you can create opportunities and you can create artificial opportunities and you can... You can deal with shortlists and things, but, but women have to do a bit of pushing as well. Um, so it isn't just men, but men just have to be constant. The majority, which, whichever, whichever situation, it isn't just a gender thing. The majority have to be constantly reminded that um, we're all people. And uh, just because they speak a different language or, or, or they're a different gender from the majority... You know, it does doesn't make any difference, or shouldn't make any difference, and um, that's that's constant, constant, constant pressure at, at that. I believe is the the way to do it. I think uh, anything too clever probably is going to be a bit a bit too clever and miss the mark.
0: Many of our week world finalists wanted me to ask you how best to become a member of the leadership team. What advice would you give them?
1: Well, first of all, I would say. Remember, there's a huge amount of luck involved. And this is whether you're a man, a woman, or whatever you, however different you are. People say, you know, how, how did I get to do what I do? And I say, it's mostly luck. What you can do is create a bit of luck. And that means for being in, in the C-suite, it's being good at your job, um, being good at leadership, because being in the C-suite is almost by definition you I mean you are a leader of of the enterprise in in some way. and then being being seen to be good at your job and being seen to be good at leadership, creating networks so that when you when you get there, you can be effective in in your job. There's not much point in being. I and mean, people do move from company to company and then they they find that they need to quickly develop a network and often at the c-suite your external networkers is is as important as your internal network and that's why moves can happen at the c-suite the networking thing is um is is one of one of many tools i think i think the tools that enable you to be good at your job to interact with with people in a constructive way whether you're a man or a woman you know these are the tools for the for the C suites and remember that it is leadership and leadership is encouraging people to to be at their best and enabling people to be at their best and and also just treating others as you'd like to be treated yourself so actually being being too pushy about it probably isn't going to get you into the c-suite in in many organizations really keep an eye on making that luck but don't make it too obvious.
0: <laughs> looking back on your career Warren, what do you want your legacy to be
1: my uh, my my personal legacy I, I would love to have been able to use the time that I've had to you know, make the world a bit better. Same as uh, same as most people. And um, you know, I've been blessed with a bunch of skills that enable me to follow a leadership role in 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 businesses and particularly in science and engineering. And I think science and engineering is about taming science and nature to make uh, to make the world better for people. So if I've been a little contributory factor to uh, some of that by the time i am gone, then that'll be a good result.
0: And at Rolls-Royce?
1: My legacy at Rolls-Royce will, I hope, be here is a competitive 21st century leading industrial technology company. Because we're having a, a, a week wall conversation, then, you know, I'd love it, obviously, if... What I said a little while ago about if not the next generation of executive team being a, a third female then the one after that and hopefully the one after that will be 50-50 thereabouts and um, you know by then we'll have a female CEO. I mean that would be on the weak wall front that would be uh, a great answer and I, it will happen. You know, And I think in a company like Rolls-Royce 10 years ago, even certainly 15 years ago, it was unthinkable. Now it's inevitable.
0: Warren, it's been great to talk with you today, and I wanted to thank you so much for sharing your challenges at Rolls Royce so openly. Thank you once again. Katie Litchfield and you have been listening to Weekwell Unfiltered CEO's Uncut series, proudly supported by the Wall Street Journal Barrons Group. This series is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Weekwell works with the world's largest companies with the aim of achieving complete gender equality, 50/50 at all levels. You can learn more at weekworld.com. Weekwell Unfiltered was written and produced by myself, Katie Litchfield and Sean Smith.